Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Uh, my guest is Eduardo Cardona. He's an Ayurvedic doctor. Uh, he's part of NAMA, a professional member of it. Uh, the website for him is eduardocardona.com. It's E-D-U-A-R-D-O-C-A-R-D-O-N-A.com. And we're going to talk about his work, Ayurveda, for you know what's going on today to fight obesity, depression, etc. So thank you for coming, Eduardo. It's a pleasure. Tell me about your, your background, how you got into Ayurvedic medicine, and then we'll talk about your current work. So so basically, I have been always an academic on Western medicine and Western sciences. And I think the, the main clarification to make here is that Ayurveda came to my life, not due to this education and my scientific curiosity, but in fact, it, it came as a situation of being a patient. I was a suffering patient with very serious traumas as a result of car accidents in three different occasions. And to be honest, Ayurveda saved my life and brought me back to the usual person I was. So I was very impressed by the, uh, the virtues of the science because for me, Ayurveda is a very profound science and I tried to integrate it to my medical background and academic background, and that's what I do nowadays, and I I feel extremely grateful to that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, um. So, what is Ayurvedic medicine for people that don't know? As a general idea, Ayurveda is the oldest continuously practiced medical system. It's originally from India. It's a yeah. holistic. It's a holistic healthcare system which had been practiced for approximately five thousand years. Yeah. Ayurveda initially was transmitted orally those, those thousands of years ago. Later on, it's part of the Vedas, by the way. So that's what is called Ayurveda, which means or translate science of life. And the Vedas, of course, being this mega compendium of different areas, is the mm. main component of Indian culture and history. In fact, it's the foundation of Hinduism. But later, this oral tradition was was written and was presented in the language we call Sanskrit. And the fascinating thing is those books have been remaining intact for thousands of years. Yeah. By the way, they are pretty difficult to read, and but fortunately there are transliterations of them. Yeah. This classical text was uh, at the beginning it starts always with descriptions of the transmission of medical knowledge from the gods to the sage we seen in 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 India, we call them Vaidyas, yeah, and then to human physicians. And just to as a little summary, has been practiced as I said for thousands of years. And when you think about a country like India, who has 1.4 billion people, 80 percent is reported to use Ayurveda. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, so what what is uh, what does the practice look like? What do you do for an illness? 
versus going to like a you know Western doctor. Yes, let let me just say something before I just go to that is that in the West is considered as a complementary alternative medicine despite his long documented history and daily practice. But the WHO recognizes it as a safe traditional medicine. Now, why I wanted to make that comment? Because to answer your question now, on Western medicine looks at the symptoms, yeah? Whereas Ayurveda looks at the root cause of the disease. And his holistic approach to health and disease is by using natural remedies. Yeah. And how is done? Ayurveda provide a, what I consider being so old, very fresh perspective for understanding our body-mind imbalance. That is determined by what? But our genetical background, the place, the, pl- pardon me, the place where we are or we live. And of course, far more important, our lifestyle. Yeah. So in, in terms of what you asked me, Ayurveda defines or the concept of wellness in Ayurveda is a state in which every single cell, every single body tissue, organs, systems, and functions are working together to maintain the delicate balance between body, mind, and consciousness. And that is what made the difference, if I can say, one of the difference with Western medicine, because Ayurveda's that's what is called holistic gnosis as a whole, and try to understand our conditions despite and to bring back this balance despite the adverse influence which exists every single day around us. Yeah. Yeah. So what's an example of a common ailment that Ayurveda medicine, Ayurvedic medicine is very good at uh, addressing? I will say that <laughs> that is a, a very good question. I will say there is not a particular, I what surprised me enormously is that Ayurveda addresses every single system of the body. Yeah, because as I said, because it's body, mind, uh, consciousness. So all the strategies are to rebalance all these body functions, all these mind functions, and it's based on diet, meditation, yoga, breathing exercises, what we call in Ayurveda pranayamas. And by the use also of therapies, which include herbal medicines, which are generally speaking, minerals and metal substances aside from the herbs. And of course, many other techniques like massage, laxative, enemas, medical oils, and even surgical techniques which have been developed for thousands of years. So it's very difficult to say that it's very special or very particular to one of them. It's really, as somebody who has been going to India since 1986, as I said at the beginning as a patient and now as an Ayurvedic doctor where I teach there, etc., it's, it's I'm always surprised because from mental diseases, from all kinds of pathologies, you see people with diabetes, with obesity, hypertension, muscular disorders, neurological disorders, and you see them coming in one way and you see living in, in another way. Perhaps it's important to say that at this moment, that uh, what I'm describing here is not that I'm visiting and one day I see them and the other day I pop in and they are uh, in better situations now. I, as a patient, I was going through the process which is called the pancha karma. Pancha translates five and karma translates actions. So basically, okay. who would like to get a better, if I can say, 
come with a particular ailment, have to go through that process. And that panchakarma, what is recommended in serious institutions, I mean, is for a period of at least three, four, five weeks, depending on the ailment. And that's what I said. You see the progress of the person. You see people who arrive paralyzed as a result of an accident, as in my case, and then you see them living, walking, and carrying their suitcases, and you know, so you see all kind of things that for diabetes, for example, is extraordinary. For obesity, the same situation. So I, honestly, I can go on and on and on, but just I wanted to give you a little taste. Yeah. Yeah, but like, what's what's like a specific protocol for? Let's say I don't know, you're really stuffed up. Yeah, you know, your sinuses are all full of gunk. What would you do with Ayurvedic medicine instead of taking like a Benadryl? Hold on, I couldn't get it. What particular ailment you are addressing? You say. Well, let's say your sinus, your sinuses are clogged. You know, your nose stuffed up and your head is stuffed up, and you're like, instead of taking Benadryl, that's normally what we would take in the Benadryl to clear your sinuses. What's an Ayurvedic medicine protocol for that, for example? Yes, there is. There is. It's a very good, very very good question because. I am part of that package also. Among the different accidents, why one of them, the airbag exploded on my face and really damaged my nose and sinus. Okay? So for those circumstances, I have been, and I use it on daily, my daily care is Ayurveda has some oils which are combinations of different plants, extractions of from the active principles of the plants and they are into those oils. And basically, uh, is sesame oil, the one is used, but can be others. So, for example, in my particular case, and in most of the cases, you see, the use of this netra is basically three, four drops of the oil in every single nostril. Let them sit there, and then gradually you start feeling how this, the sinus oils are clearing. And you know that very simple because you need to expectorate through your mouth, all these mucus that have been accumulated there is extremely effective. That is, you ask me for that one, I can tell you, is my uh, more or less my weekly experience when I feel that I am blocked. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Okay. So you do what you would have this oil and, and it clears you up as fast yeah. as, uh, let's say, Benadryl or is effectively? Oh, absolutely. I will, I, I, I will never use any kind of pharmacos or, that's, or those kinds because they can be, you know, they have side effects. What side effect have to have a plant and a natural oil? So I, can, I I cannot compare one thing to the other with all respect, despite my own background. Yeah. Well, I've noticed with regular drugs, they're powerful, but it's like a punch in the face, you know, or a sledgehammer. Ayurveda 
allopathic medicine or homeopathic medicine or things like that appear to be a lot more gentle and they may not work as strongly or as effectively, but they, they have less side effects too. It seems like there's a trade-off there. Absolutely. I cannot agree more with you. But what is interesting is, as you said so well, because Ayurveda addressed the roots of the condition, yeah, the root cause of the disease, that's what takes longer. You know, when you use modern medicine, Western medicine, you address the symptoms and you block those symptoms. So you are not sorting out the problem. You are creating another problem. You see, you have a rush to put cortisol on the anticorticosteroids corticosteroids there. And I mean, with every single pathology we consider is to block literally the manifestation, not to go to the, to the origins of what is going on. And in this particular case, when you asked me about the nose, I know very well, in my case, it became chronic because it's a car accident. I was very serious. So I know very well that if I do this gentle treatment every week, sometimes every two weeks, you know, it's completely clear and has, as you said so well, no side effects because it's nature acting in my own natural body in there. So is is the way it's supposed to be? I I cannot see it in a different way. Okay. Are there any downsides of Ayurvedic medicine that you found or limitations? To be with my own patients, never. Yeah, that is something I have to be very clear. And I, I never ask anybody to drop their allopathic medication under no circumstances for obvious reasons. But I always try to work in collaboration with the GPs or. They work in collaboration with the GPs. I ask them to report exactly what I'm recommending in case a particular specialist is going to say, oh no, that component has side effect. Let's say for in the cases of CVDs, people with cardiovascular disorders. Of course, there are very good medications in Ayurveda, like something which is called Arjuna. Uh, it's an example of them. Some doctors consider that that can, be, uh, can have collateral effects with the medication they are taking. Same situation with hypertension, for example. So it's, it's a question of integrating that in a natural way because I am not trying to put neither up or down allopathic medicine or Ayurvedic medicine. My only intention is to say oh, that my drive is to try to establish a process that could integrate Ayurvedic practice with the equivalent components in modern medicine. All that based on what? On the biomedical technology and terminology we have, or clinical research, and the therapies. Because I, I can say that Ayurveda is extraordinary, but if we consider the, the situation of, of somebody who arrives to an emergency room, Ayurveda cannot do anything. In an emergency room, you have to bend your head and accept whatever is possible from the anopathic medicine. So I try always to bring that hand, you know, and not to divorce things because there are two sciences and they both have their own values. Okay, so it's not necessarily good for emergency medicine, but for chronic problems, you know, it seems far superior. So what are some common treatments that you, that people use Ayurvedic medicine for? What are some common problems people have that's useful for? I, I, I want to get a bit, a bit more clear to question, please. What are, what are some examples of common ailments that people use Ayurvedic medicine for? Like sinus congestion we talked about. What about, uh, it, 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 I don't know, like chest, chest pains or like what are, what are some common ones? Every single system we can talk about 
circulatory system, as I said earlier. We can talk about respiratory system. We can talk about a kidney renal system. We can talk about reproductory system. We can talk about brain disorders, yeah, either by contusions or by the body. Mental disorders of different kinds as a result. You know, I saw so many people as, who are IT people going to India, in the, of Indian origin or non-Indian origin. I saw them in India going because the IT work of 18 hours per day made them completely, completely traumatized mentally. And they go there and I can't, I, I have been a witness of all the results. I didn't treat people like that because as I said, that required a proper setup. I basically, in my setup in, in Berkeley, California, or here in London, or the places I work when I'm in India, is I am a, I'm a one-man show so I don't have a clinic per se, but for chronic diseases, I come back to that. You can guide them. Of course, you have to do an evaluation of the patient. And this is something that you are not asking me, but I need to be very clear on that because in order to address a disease of any kind, Ayurveda works in terms of the basic description is that in Ayurveda, the concept of dosha, D-O-S-H-A. And dosha is, because I doesn't have a translation, I will say, is that which cause problems. Yeah, we try to translate it from Sanskrit. But the, the Ayurvedic concept is there are three main circulating energies in the body, and they govern our physiological biochemical activity. Yeah. And yeah. these three components, the dosha, yeah, believed to be present conceptually in our body as well as in our mind. And these different dosha proportions, which I'm not going to bother with Sanskrit terminology, but which are called vata, pitta, and kapha, yeah, these different doshas has different proportions than to both physical and in terms of the constitution as well as mental. So if there is imbalance of this Functions is when Ayurveda considered that that imbalance is the result of the disease. Yeah. And Ayurveda what tries to keep that balance. And I have to say that it is very clear for whoever could, will be listening to, the, to this podcast is that Ayurveda is a very good way for chronic conditions or, or just to keep your body in a state of balance. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it's for only one reason, because Ayurveda requires active participation. It's better to be clear here. It's, this is not, as we were discussing before, like in allopathic medicine, it's not waiting in a passive way for a pill to manifest its effects. Now, here is active participation because if we look at the whole package, and the whole package, as I said earlier, involves the diet the lifestyle. So we need to study every single aspect to understand this component of the human being, which is called the prakruti, which is these three energies, vata, pitta, and kapha. This is at the level of the physical body. Now, Richard, if we talk at the level of the mental body, yeah, in Ayurveda equally, these scientists of the time, the Padyas, they understood the concepts of what is called sattva, rajas, and tamas, which are three types of energy of the mind, which also 
can be out of balance and required to be taken care of them. Yeah. So this is perhaps the simplest way to try to present that. And I don't know if you want me to talk a little more about these constitutions or not, or instead of addressing a particular disease to give a, perhaps a, a more... That, that's kind of very general though. Like what, so what are the four archetypes that people have? What does that mean for their diet? Ah, ah, beautiful, beautiful. Yes. So, so basically, we are talking about a trilogy here. Yeah. So, I was talking earlier about body, mind, spirit, or consciousness. That is the concept. Now, these three aspects means what? That in we have a uniqueness or individuality, since these three levels of body, mind, and spirit require to take consider to take to be taken into consideration. We have to look at what is the constitution of because we are all completely different. So in Ayurveda, this dosha constitution of physical types, let's say, for example, people who we describe as vata constitution is basically associated with nervous systems. Yeah, The pitta constitution, which is more a fiery constitution, is associated with the metabolic system. Let's put it like that in brackets, the enzymes. Yeah? And the kapha constitution is a type of earth earthly constitution is associated more with the body structure of the person, the lubrication and stability. Now, we all, without exception, have vata, pitta and kapha in our bodies, but these three doshas are explaining as being in constant interaction with each other and in a completely playful state. And that's what, as I said, we call prakruti or body constitution. So some people who have, for example, Diseases of the nervous systems are more connected to the vata constitution. Yeah, metabolic disorders are more connected to pitta individuals, and kapha people are the type of uh, who are more into obesity or overweight. Yeah, this is this is a very general. Why? Description. Why? Why would they be predisposed to that? What is it about them that does that? As I said, because it's a genetic of this. What Ayurveda understood is the main concept of genetics. You see, perhaps uh, you hear about endodermos, ectodermos, and mesodermos, yeah, which are the constitutions of the body. Yeah, I, yeah, ectomorph, endomorph, mesomorph, yeah. Exactly. Now, with they, they were described in 1940 for the first time. If you look at that and you correlate with Ayurveda, it's exactly the same. Why? Because we have our genetical package from our parents, and we have also, as you know very well, the epigenetics. But for the but very recently, we are talking about epigenetics is is something which is quite new as we talk about microbiome, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But my point here is. Yes, your father and mother are very slim. The probability for you to be slim is there. If your mother and father, one of them is chunky and is very robust, that is your probability too. So it's, we are talking here about genetics. Now we have to talk also about the epigenetics. How by lifestyle we can transform or prakruti or dosha constitution of physical type. For example, one of my activities in the U.S. was working with a population, a third generation of people coming from uh, San Salvador, 
Yeah. Generally speaking, these people are slim, etc., etc. The third generation, as a result of the conditions of life they were having in the mission, when I did that study, they were, a lot of them were obese. Why? Because they were into the American diet of one dollar McDonald's and junk, and junk, uh, junk food and all these kind of things. So that is alteration of the proclivity or physical constitution moving into what in Ayurveda we call a vicruity or imbalance of the body. Yeah. And we have to, I, I didn't make that comment, but this is the moment to make it perhaps. And it's, Ayurveda has a say with I have a profound respect for it. It said the origin of all diseases is the result of the lack of connection with our senses. I does say of some diseases, Ayurveda has that which is called sloka, that, uh, you know, sentence. I repeat, the origin of all diseases is the lack of connection of our senses. And that's what I bring that uh, example of this situation there. You know, we all know, for example, when we have the sense of society that we eat and we don't need to eat anymore. But if the cake looks very interesting, we have a little more. And if it looks even more interesting and I'm anxious and under stress, perhaps I have more. Yeah. And this is dysregulating the systems, the metabolic systems of the body. And gradually that manifests in what, it, in, in what becomes a pathology. Yeah. So that's why the lack of connection of the senses is so important. You see what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense to you. But what does that mean, lack of connection of the senses? Like, what? That, why would that, that happen? That, what does that mean? That, that means exactly that. I know when I have to stop eating, but I keep eating. I, I know, I know because of the stress, for example. I know exactly how much exercise I have to do. So I decided either, either I don't do any exercise. It's lack of connection with the senses because the body needs those activities or lack of connection by over-exercising, yeah? So it's, it's because we are talking about the mind. Those senses are part of the mind, and that mind is connected to the body. So we affect our body as a result of not connecting the two parts, these two basic parts of the self. And if to that we address, you know, as I said, the, what people call the spirit or what we call the consciousness, and if that makes us that we are unconscious of what we are doing, the pathologies come there. We know very well in today's modern medicine, the situation with immune diseases, for example, how much the mind is involved into those processes. Yeah. So more and more we understand our things. Let me, now, let's, let's, let me give you another what I consider a beautiful example of today's science, the microbiome. Perhaps you have been hearing, everybody have been hearing about it. People say yeah. that we are 90% bacteria, 30% uh, human cells, blah, blah, blah. Basically, that microbiome is everywhere from the skin to every single organ of the body, internal and external, by the way, because that is the new discoveries. But this microbiome mostly is based in our tummy, in our gut, yeah? And this microbiome is the one people were talking about serotonin produced by the brain and the importance of serotonin, blah, 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 blah. The reality is that the serotonin from the brain corresponds to more or less 10%. At 90% of the serotonin is produced by our, the bacteria in our gut. So if our bacteria is producing that, 
And our bacteria is helping us to assimilate our food, uh, produce vitamins, produce minerals, or make it available for our cells and tissues and organs. Imagine what kind of alterations we are causing when it's time to eat breakfast and I don't have breakfast because I'm too important and I prefer a, a cup of coffee and run away. Or I am too busy and I don't want to have lunch and eventually I have dinner at 10 o'clock by night time. What is going on with that bacteria who has been waiting there because we are completely lost in our running, running in front of what? An illusion. So the body is not an illusion. The body is a reality and we are not taking care of that body. So that is for me the main issue, you know, is this this concept of the lack of connection with the gunas constitution or the mental types that I was saying before, satuas, satwa, rajas, and tamas, which represents balance or harmony, rajas, which represents movement, activity, and passion. And tamas, which represent inertia and dullness, are very clear components and work together with the physical types I was describing earlier as Bata, Pita, and Kappa. I'm sorry, I get pretty excited because I love Ayurveda. I love myopathic medicine too. Perhaps you, you feel how excited I get, but it's because it's such a profound science that is... So what, what is the lifestyle that supports Ayurveda working well in a person? What can they do to make sure that the Ayurvedic interventions help them instead of barely do anything? <laughs> yes, yes, I, I see what you mean. As I, as I said earlier, the lifestyle is mostly based on diet, yeah? And the diet has to be tailored to what? To your physical type or dosha constitution, yeah? So, for example, in the book I wrote on Ayurveda for depression or the one will be published now on Ayurveda for the gut and obesity, I describe very clear the test for evaluating people's physical types or dosha constitution. So they will understand and they can recognize themselves because we have ideas about ourselves. But really, if we look at that test like that, we realize that it's not necessarily what we believe we are. So uh, just you ask me, and I am not diverting. Is basically I we need to understand our constitution physically and mental first to be able to have a proper lifestyle. Once we know our constitution physically and mental, we can address the particular diet for our particular condition body in balance or out of balance. Also, Ayurveda is the mother of meditation, yoga, and breathing exercises. It's always very funny for me when you, people talk nowadays about mindfulness. Mindfulness is nothing different than uh, the meditation Ayurveda described thousands of years ago. Now, the same thing, yoga, you are asking me with yoga. You see, yoga is... Me, which means union, by the way, yeah, well, that's the way people translate it, is the union of the body and the mind through the breathing, the process of breathing, the breath. So if you see today's yoga styles are craziness, you know, with some of them because they have no connection. I, I have been in India or in the US or in Europe, people jumping like monkeys and not connection between the posture of yoga and the, the process of the breath, the breathing process. 
And talking about breathing process, Ayurveda also offers, in parallel with diet, meditation, and yoga, breathing exercises which are called pranayamas that you can do when you are sitting down, when you want to relax in the morning, in the evening, any time of the day. Um, you were asking about respiratory issues earlier. You cannot imagine how amazing are these breathing exercises of pranayamas for people with respiratory or circulatory disorders. Hmm. Okay. What's the best way for people to start finding out about Ayurvedic medicine? Should they go to your website or where should they go? They can go to my website, which, by the way, I am not being, I have been very bad and not taking too much care of it, but they, they have there the possibility to contact me. Also, as I said, there is, uh, if they want to learn the way I approach Ayurveda, very respectful in terms of modern medicine and Ayurveda itself, is that that book which is already published. You can get it in Amazon, Ayurveda for Depression. Yeah. And by, I believe, uh, spring next year, 2024, will be the book of Ayurveda for the gut and obesity, which will be published. That will be the best ways, perhaps, to reach me. And uh, yes, and at the moment, I am I am writing something else, but I, I try to see a, a reduced number of patients. But we are here for service in this life, and that's what I would like to keep doing. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Eduardo, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much to you. And thank you for one more time for the invitation. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.